0: Welcome to another episode of metal mastermind co-host and co-founder here, Jason Stallworth and also co-host, co-founder the great and Dulles.
1: You're great too, man.
0: Just so you know, we are great. We are. And and all of you listening are great, but, uh, do you guys ever feel and asking myself this and asking, can this as well, is this something we've been talking about already As great as we want to be. And as as great as you know, we want to give props to one another for being great and encourage people. That's what we're all about. Uh, raise your hand if you ever feel like an imposter. If you've, you ever have this thing called the imposter syndrome, I'm raising my hand, Ken's raising his. Yep. That's what we're talking about today, guys. <laughs> so Ken, you know, yeah. we, we've been going about this for a while. This kind of rears its ugly head from time to time. And I, I really believe that this imposter syndrome can prevent people from, uh, from stepping out and doing something great with their life, can prevent them from reaching their destiny fulfilling their goals and their dreams and all these things they want to do with their life that they know they should be doing. But you've got this thing in the back of your mind. It's like, you know, you're not there yet. You're not good enough. And you just get this imposter syndrome, dude. Tell me, tell me a little bit about, um, your life, anything recent or or something you've experienced that, you know, you've kind of felt like, Oh man, I've I've got this imposter syndrome. I can't be doing this.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I first became a professor, that was totally the thing. Um, my, uh, just so you know, I mean, like I was a college laboratory technician um, at uh, at a local university. And um, the at the time, I was also working Good Morning America and all that good stuff. But I got the opportunity uh, through a good friend of mine to, uh, you know, see if I could get a job at another school. And the school was I was, I was initially going there to audition for as a tech. Um, but, uh, I guess they wanted to hear what I had to offer when it came to maybe a lesson plan. So they actually said, Hey, would you mind, you know, demonstrating, you know, like, a, a, a teaching, uh, aspect of yourself and see if you can, you know, pass the test. And I said, uh, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, that ended up becoming, uh, really successful. And I ended up getting a job as an instructor. And that was the start of a long trail of me doing what I do now. Um, and honestly, I came in in the middle of a semester, so it was already kind of like hectic. And I was covering for somebody who was about to leave the institution. So I was like, I had no prior, like I'd never taught a class before. And I was like taking on somebody's existing class with existing material that I had to just kind of fill in (laughs) and it was really one of those like sink or swim moments to either, you know, do it or not. And, uh, I ended up doing it. I just like took the bull by the horns and said, okay, you know, this is what we're doing. And okay, this is, this is it. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a big freaking moment for me in terms of imposter syndrome the entire time. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> it's like sometimes today I'm still kind of like, like I'm not, I don't have like a, like a, a bachelor's or in, or master's in education. Like I have a bachelor's degree in music, but I don't have like a master's for this kind of stuff. Usually I think of a professor, I'm like, they have a master's or a PhD. And, uh, I, I told myself a long time ago that I didn't want to get into teaching and it just, it just fell in my lap. Like, that. Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know how that happened. <laughs>
0: That's crazy, dude. I mean, speaking of sink or swim, you know, I learned how to swim by getting thrown in a pool. Someone threw me in the pool, uh, threw me in the deep end. Of course, I had people around that were going to jump in. I was probably, I don't know, seven, eight years old, maybe, maybe a little older. But, uh, but I just a dog paddled man. And yep. I guess from that point on, I've I've learned about myself is that uh, when my back is against the wall, I I just kind of create a way out of it, you know, somehow. Uh, you know, it was the same way when I left my corporate job to become a full-time musician or entrepreneur or whatever you want to call me. I don't know what I am. Uh, there are a lot of names for it these days, but, um, you know, in 2020, I left my corporate job and yeah, it was sink or swim, man. That first Holy year I was living off severance and, and all the assets I liquidated, which weren't very much just to take that chance. And, um, I'll never forget. You know, <laughs> at the tail end of it, we're almost out of money. It's like crap. I'm going to have to go back and beg for my job back. You know, <laughs> which honestly wouldn't been a bad thing. I mean, it was. I, I met some great people there, and, and I had a really, I had a very privileged position. It, I say privileged loosely. I earned it, and it's not like you know it was given to me. There's nothing given, uh, but it was. I I felt honored to be in the position that I was in. You know because i did have to work hard to get there and prove myself and that sort of thing but yeah i mean i felt the imposter syndrome though first of all well you're not meant to be an entrepreneur you can't do this on your own you've never tried to step out before you've always worked a job you've always worked for someone else you know so i had to i had to smack myself in the face a few times you know and then i released guitar courses when we started metal mastermind my first guitar course i released out there same thing it's like am i even really qualified to do this? Okay, oh, right. a phone call coming in. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Let Hello? Me put
1: that on, uh, yeah, no, I put that yeah. on do not disturb. Oh, you know, crap. I,
0: I, I thought it was a caller. I thought we like maybe we a surprise caller. Maybe we should do that one day have a live podcast and, and surprise in? caller. Yeah. <laughs> I think the person calling is an imposter, right? They got the imposter. Here we go. Um, no, but, you know, and, and I, I get it, though. Sometimes we, we step out. We want to step out and do something great, and we're like, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. And, I, I get, Ken, I think what happens is that it's a little scary to jump out and do something new. It's a little scary to put yourself out there. When you put yourself in front of a classroom, especially kind of how you got thrown into it mid-semester, <laughs> you know, and these people are looking to you to guide them, and you're, you're like, uh, <sighs> what do I do now, you know?
1: Like, beef is a Yeah. i
0: I love i love arnold schwarzenegger when he when he got into and guys i'm not going down the political road i I cannot stand politics i absolutely hate it it's just rubbish but anyway when arnold got uh, placed in office when when he won the election for california this is you know many moons ago he's like okay i got elected but what the what the f do i do now (laughs) you know and i feel like that a lot of times i uh you know i've always been the kind of person to you've got to know what you're doing. I mean, I've been playing guitar since 1989. So am I qualified to, you know, not necessarily teach guitar, but to share some things with other guitar players that might help them. And that's the way I look at teaching. I don't look at me as an instructor or teacher. I look at me as just sharing my knowledge and some things that help me and some mistakes. And I think that's a big part of doing something great with your life is also you know, sharing the good and the bad, sharing when you mess up, you know, you read the story of Michael Jordan, great basketball player, uh, you know, a great just spokesperson, and everything. But even though he held records for, for, you know, making baskets or whatever, uh, we're not talking about weaving guys this is basketball, I'm kidding. Uh, even though he held some records for that, right. He missed far more shots than he made, you know, yeah. but that's stepping out and taking those chances. So, I want you to understand, everybody listening, is that don't be afraid of, of failing. You can only fail if you quit, if you don't do it. So don't be afraid of messing up. That's part of the journey. Um, to me, messing up is kind of like being in school. It's an education. You know, if I mess up today, right, uh, well, that's just a lesson I'm going to learn for tomorrow. So, you know, don't, don't allow yourself to have this imposture syndrome. Be prepared, though, Ken, right? I mean, there and talk a little bit, Ken, about before you got this position, it wasn't like, wasn't like you didn't have the knowledge to teach, right? Yes, your first time teaching, but, but give us some background before this happened.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I was pretty knee-deep into the industry at this point. You know, I had uh, a lot of things going on. I was a monitor engineer for a band on tour. I was working broadcast. I was doing live sound. I was doing some studio work. I mean, I was doing a lot. so uh, I was kind of all over the place all over the all the time. and um, I mean, I took the gig um, at a point in my life where I was basically trying to decide and elevate my, my, my financial situation, um, which was pretty okay, but I didn't like the fact that freelancing all the time, I had nothing really predictable, which you kind of just get used to as an audio engineer or, you know, even like a cinematographer, if you're in the creative arts, you know, it's just a lot of freelance going along, going around. There's not a lot of full-time positions doing what we do. Um, so you kind of know that. So when, a when a position like this kind of opens up and you're like, you know, you think about it, first thing that comes to my mind is like, well, am I settling down? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I also don't know what it's like to be on the other side because I've never had like a predictable schedule ever. <laughs> so Uh, that was, uh, that was a big moment for me. And I, I, I went with my gut for what I thought might be best for me in order to build my future. And that's where I made that decision. Um, honestly, it was a year later when, uh, the pandemic hit. And that was, uh, that was the moment where I had to really make a decision of what I really wanted to do. But that entire year up till then, I was still doing everything else that I was doing outside of teaching, too. I was still going to, you know, Good Morning America broadcast, which is a 1 a.m. gig till like yeah, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the evening shift at the school to be, you know, able to go to GMA right after. <laughs> That's literally why I taught, I taught evenings in the first place. And then, um, you know, I would sometimes uh, have like a, a gig here and there uh, that would take over during the day. And then I would come right back to teaching and do another session at GMA. It was kind of crazy. I was literally yeah. doing 72-hour, you know, days.
0: Yeah. Those, those were...
1: It was very rough.
0: Those are, long, um, those are long weeks, man. But, I mean, I, I guess I wanted to make the point, too, you know, and this is kind of the other side of the imposter syndrome. You know, we want to encourage you to get out there and do stuff, right? Get out there and try stuff. But it doesn't mean that you should be completely unprepared. Uh, you know, before you got these gigs, you had a background in it. It wasn't like you woke up one day and it's like, I'm going to go do this, you know?
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and but to be fair, too, um, When, when I first started teaching, I was, I was teaching other people's material and it was very hard for me to, uh, feel like what I was saying was my own word. Um, and so that, that was like a huge thing that changed during the pandemic because during the pandemic, right, we, we were very much like a, a kinesthetic school. So we would have to, you know, touch and really, you know, get hands on with the equipment. Uh, when that went away, because obviously, you know, not everybody has a million dollar studio with an SSL to work with, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we had to, uh, you know, diverge and, you know, change our game plan for what our lesson content was going to be about. And so that's when I actually started building a lot of my own material um, and having to teach twice as long on the lecture side because we didn't have practical hours. So I was uh, I was really like pushing. Uh, for a lot of this content, and so by doing that, oh my God, I like went back to my roots i i I really relearned a lot of what I already knew instinctually, but I had to formulate it into words and and actually you know communicate what this was in an effective way to students yeah. uh that 's when things really started to turn around for me as a professor because. I had built my own content and I had built, and this was at the time when we started Metal Mastermind, not even like having any courses yet. We were just doing yeah. YouTube. You and do live. Uh, yeah, so I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this, is, this is a lot of stuff that we were doing. But I ended up uh, realizing in that moment that um, a lot of the things that I was doing as a, as a freelance audio engineer uh, were kind of fleeting. Um, that's the thing about being an audio engineer. You got to be okay with is, you know, you're, you're a, you're a cog in the machine. You're not, you're not the machine itself. So that's why uh, I focus so much more on metal mastermind and being able to, you know, teach uh, honestly gave me the freedom to be able to do that. Uh, So it was kind of, it's kind of backwards. People think, you know, professors mostly are settling down when they're getting a teaching position, but actually (laughs) many times it's the opposite. They are actually using, that position to further enhance what careers they have. And now more than ever, there's a lot of uh, what we call adjunct professors, Mm, which are uh, part-time and they're, they're never given an opportunity to get tenure because the colleges are not interested in that, right? They want to, they don't want to give people tenure. They want to give, you know, (laughs) part-time employees the position. So, and there's plenty of us who are looking for work. Um, So that's, that's what we have to compete with. And, that's why, you know, uh, I don't look at, you know, most of the things that I do as uh, as a permanent thing because you never know if it's if it's always going to be part time. It's like, you know, how can I how can I really say that this is where it's going to be for the longevity of my career? So this is why we do what we do, you know, because yeah. we, we always believe in taking things into our own hands. You and I, Jason. So uh, that's that's where all of this comes down to. Um, and when it comes to, you know, feeling, you know, have I felt like, you know, I'm a professor now? Yeah. After a couple of years of doing it and going through the dirt. Yeah. You know, you come out on the other side feeling like, okay, I know what it is like to be one and how to do it. And, you know, you become more comfortable, but in the beginning, yeah, it feels, it feels scary and you don't know what you're doing. And it's the same thing when you're doing music, same thing when you're doing art. Business, it's all it's all the same thing. It's a phase that um never truly goes away because you know you can always compare yourself to somebody who has either better credentials, better technique, better energy, everything. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, that guy I think is you know the ideal person for this role. Uh, I don't necessarily fit that role in the same way that this guy does, but you do to somebody else, right? So That's that's the thing that we have to remember that it's not really our perspective that matters in this situation, you know, and, um, if people look up to you, there's a reason, there's a reason for them doing that and you're doing something right because of it. So, um, so that's what I would say is to not, not be too, um, don't get too much inside your head because getting inside your head is the easiest thing for us to do. We're we're so self-sabotaging that way. Um, you know, if you are, you know, making an impact in somebody else's life in a positive way, that's really enough. That really is enough. And, um, you know, that should be enough for you to know that you are, uh, you are an influence. So, and it could be one, it could be 10, it could be a hundred, a 1, thousand, whatever it is. Um, you, you just want to make sure that you're doing good. And that's where I would say, um, is the fine line of, uh, you know, trying to get over this hump. I mean, but, you know, again, it never really goes away. It, it kind of always sticks around with some, but Something in the back of your head always goes like, am I really this person?
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people uh, deal with that. You know, you those there's some great points. Um, you know, sometimes we compare ourselves to other people, and that's kind of how we can get <laughs> pulled into this imposter syndrome in our mind we're comparing yeah. ourselves to this person over here and that person over there. But Ken, you brought up a good point. Maybe there's this person that seem, seems to be so great, got all, all the you know bells and whistles behind their name, the credentials, and yada, yada. Uh, they park their hair nice and successful to the side and just have the perfect look or whatever, right? <laughs> but that person, for one, is not you, and they're not going to resonate with everybody. They may resonate with the masses, right? They may resonate with, with a mass group of people, but... Uh, but you're always going to have your own distinct personality, your own way of presenting things. And I believe if you stay true to that, which I know you have, uh, you're always, like you just said, you're going to reach a a specific audience as well. And guys, this all rolls into really every aspect of business and in life. If you're going for something in life, and I know know we're going to talk musicianship here for a bit. If you're writing a song, or you're playing guitar and you want to write something, you want to write a piece of music, or your band, you want to you know, record something or whatever, don't compare yourself to another band. Don't try to sound like this guitar player. Don't chase that tone. Who cares if the other person can sing higher than you? And don't try to mimic that. You've got to understand that if you're true to yourself, your, your songwriting, if you're a solo artist or your band, if you guys are being true to yourselves, then you're going to attract a certain type of person just by being you, right? By being the person that you were meant to be, being the best version of yourself, not comparing yourself to someone else, right? You're going to attract a certain audience. You're going to attract a certain person. So it's very important that, that we stay true to ourselves. If we're out there comparing ourselves, then that imposter syndrome is always going to be looming over our head. Which is a cool totally. A song yeah. looming over my head, you know? You cool
1: know, that. <laughs> that- <laughs> That's so true, man. Uh, and we, that's what we advocate for every day. You know, we say, uh, uh you know, create your own sound. That's, that's exactly. been our motto for a while now here at Metal Mastermind. And, you know, the reason for that being is we believe that every person has value in what they offer. Um, you know, how does, you know, one of your influences become the person that they are? Well, it takes time and it takes dedication and motivation to, you know, constantly do the grind and, you know, not to, glorify the grind, because the grind, you know, is many times an unhealthy way to do things. But you want to be able to uh, have a balance in your life, but also have, you know, a significant output on what you do towards your goals. Uh, That's really the the, the point of what we're trying to say there. And creating your own sound is not an overnight thing. It has to be (laughs) unearthed like the band, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it has to be unearthed from what you (laughs) are building uh, over time. It's kind of like, I I always like the Andrew Carnegie quote of, you know, we always go in the dirt, but not looking for dirt. We go in looking for gold. Um, You have to move tons of dirt to find that gold. And that's kind of what making your own sound is like. All of this dirt that you're going through, they're your initial ideas, they're the the lack of technique, it's your inspirations and the mimicking of those inspirations. It's a lot of things that, you know, you're fishing through in order to find something that you can truly call your own. Um, And it takes takes a long time. I mean, it could, you know, for me, I, I find that now, like, I'm at a point where I really do have my own sound. And that was a, a really long time coming. So you got to be, you got to be understanding how, you know, things in life, I, we live in such an immediate gratification world now that these things don't happen that quick. They really don't. Um, you got to, you got to be okay with saying, you know, I'm going to start this music uh, career, but I'm going to know that my sound probably isn't really going to come out until maybe possibly 10 years later. Like, that has to be part of your, 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 your game plan, which is why in the beginning, like, I already knew, like, when I was writing my first album, it was, I knew it was not going to be the album. I, I already knew because nobody knows who I am. Nobody, you know, I wasn't expecting anything huge to come from this album, except for it to be a platform for me to grow from. I knew that from the get go. So I just said, okay, you know what, this is my chance to experiment, do certain things that I want to do, see how they come out, you know, what do people, you know, how do they respond to it? Um, and then from there, you know, your, your focus narrows and, you know, you become less concerned about what it is that was the unknown. And you start bringing out the things that you do know that attribute to your style and your sound and for me it was a textural thing like I, I i heard it and like when i heard my complete album i was like yeah i hear the things that are consistent between these songs and i was like those are the things that i really like those are the things i always really wanted to harness and uh you know certain types of instrumentation sure but you know my first album was very worldly i had like egyptian music celtic music flamenco music eastern asian music all like in there and i was just like experimenting with all these different styles which which is something that i really really encourage people is like branch out like see what's out there in the world learn other types of music see what that does for you because like for me it was like paramount it was it was huge influence and i wrote lyrics in different languages i was like oh man this is like really cool so but having, like, that was a lot of work. I mean, I had, like, maybe 45 people involved in that first album, because like, I was in school, I had a bunch of friends that were in the music department, so I was like, hey, you know, in between your class and my class, let's go into the the studios and just, like, record this real quick. And I exactly. had, like, you know, an hour or two hours to get, you know, Egyptian vocals from, you know, an Indian classical singer. And I was like, dude, this no, is cute. awesome. <laughs> so, but that was that was really, really important, and Finding that uh, flow uh, just catapulted that album in my style. Uh, it was that sandboxing was so important in that in that album. And now it's it's one of those things where, like, I took all of that influence, and now my 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 new creation here, uh, the Circle of Dead Children with Homeric, uh, that upcoming album is is an amalgamation of all of those sounds put together in a more complete package. Uh, and that's what I define as cinematic metal now. So it's very, very cool. Uh, but yeah, it takes time, man. And, and that imposter syndrome, it, it, it begins to subside when you become more confident in what you do. And that's where you have to, uh, you know, put patience and, and, uh, and, and an appreciation and diligence for, for what you're trying to create.
0: You brought up a good point, too. You know, we're, we're kind of in that instant gratification era, if you yeah. want to call it that. And I, I really hope there's kind of a revolt against that because it's so damaging. Uh, and, and I'm not saying technology is damaging. That's not where we're going. I, I love technology. Technology is just a tool, you know. Uh, us as people, we make decisions on how we use things and how we don't use them. And we make decisions on how much time we spend doing certain things and not doing certain things going back to your point ken it takes time to build yourself right to build your skill set but if we're wanting it right now and it's not happening right now but that's what you're used to you're used to that instant gratification well you're probably not going to last very long right and you're going to always be on to the next thing you know i I heard an entrepreneur saying this thing is alex Hormozzi talking about how people they'll start a business but then six months they're not getting any results. So well, this must not be the thing. I need to jump and do something else. So they do something else. Six months, no results, and they do something else. And then all of a sudden they've wasted three years and have had no success. Where yeah. they had had they just picked the one thing and stuck with it, they would have made some type of momentum. So you have to treat your talent like that as well, guys. You have to treat your your um, your skills as a vocalist, guitarist, drummer, whatever you do, mixing. Keep doing it. Keep pushing. You're going to get better the more time you spend with your craft and give yourself room to evolve. You know, every musician, no matter how great of a level you get to, you're going to evolve beyond that, right? And it might not always be singing higher or playing faster. It might be just kind of a, a different style that sort of forms within. Ken, you mentioned listening to all these different other styles, these, these worldly styles of music and getting uh, getting other talent involved. Well, that expanded your palate? So that kind of formed what you are now today as a musician, just as well as this entire recording of Homeric, uh, you know, working with different people on the album and just your experience in general. Well, now when you start working on the next project, all of that's going to come into the picture as well. So you're, you're, we're constantly evolving. So give yourself the time, be patient with yourself, give yourself room to evolve as a, as a musician or anything, anything you're doing in life, guys, at your job, your business, whatever, your relationships, spend time.
1: And and do it with grace, you know. Uh, that's that's important too. Like paying the respect uh, for the process. I think uh, a lot of people don't understand that. You know, if you don't make it within like you know six months to a year, like they think they're another failure. And it's like, dude, you're just getting started. Like, <laughs> you have like so much time. <laughs> You know, and uh, most businesses, you know, they don't even see profit within the first two years. And you're expecting, you know, results in six months, 12 months or like, right. you know, vi virality, you know, like that's the thing, too. It's like getting viral. It's like, oh, we want to get viral, 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 viral. But it's like, you know, can you sustain whatever it is that you capture through virality? Like that is another thing, too. Like, and is it the thing that you want people to make you viral about? <laughs> so... You know, there's so many things that people will do just to to get, gain that attention, but they don't know how to keep it. So uh, these sorts of things take a long time to build. Uh, and, you know, you got to you got to do it with grace, pay the respect that, you know, somebody who, you know, that has been doing this for a long time. And then finally they blow up. That's a yeah. that's a 10 year overnight success.
0: Right. You I, like know,
1: like, I always love that. I always like that uh, that, okay. that that perspective because it's like, yeah, that's what they've been working on for a long time under the hood. And right. then, fi- you know, finally, once it's done and it's complete and they've had like all this, you know, going for them and they've built connections in the industry and they've, you know, gotten better at their craft. They've done all this stuff to get to where they are now. It, that's what makes them more of a master of what they do. You know, there's another viral. Too. Yeah, go ahead the, uh, you know, you're not a master until you've earned 10,000 hours in what you do. Mm. You know, yeah, So like, one. yeah, after 10,000 hours, now you're a master. <laughs> I mean, you know, and some people, you know, uh, they, they, they need a little longer and they need a little shorter. What, but the, the, the premise is still, is still true of you spending the time is really what we're talking about. You got to spend the time.
0: And I don't know that viral should really be the goal anyway. If you're just looking to go viral, do you even really love what you're doing? You know what I mean? Do you really enjoy the process if all you want to do is just go viral? Well, i got to go viral. I think the really the goal should be, first of all, being happy and building confidence in what you're doing and building something that's sustainable. Viral is right. not always sustainable. Uh, you know, And in building something viral, there there are people out there that do what they love to do and make a really great living at it that are unknown. Heck, I'm one of those people. You know, I'm 48 years old. You want to talk about being in it for the long haul? I've been playing guitar since 1989. I've been playing live in some capacity. I'm not going to pretend I've been on stage in front of millions of people or even thousands, but but hundreds, yes. But I've been on some sort of stage platform almost since then, probably since 1990, 1991 you know off and on and i've been with bands i'm working on my fifth album i'm probably at best unknown an unknown artist to most people you guys know who i am because you follow me on youtube you follow metal mastermind and thank you by the way we appreciate that but to the masses uh you know somebody's gonna know who james Hetfield or dave mustang you know they're gonna know them right off the bat you mentioned jason stallworth like okay never heard of that dude before <laughs> you know but right just because i'm not viral doesn't mean that i'm not sustainable i'm able to sustain myself in what i do with my music and metal mastermind and a few other things uh my friend todd grubbs he is uh he is the lead guitar player for the metal band siren which their band that never quite made it. Well, thirty years later, forty years later, they found out they had a German fan base, and they got to go to Germany. Got back together after forty years. To go to Germany, play a festival. Uh, Chris Jericho, you know, filmed a documentary, financed the documentary. I'm too old for this. That one, so really great <laughs> documentary. But all that said, though, you know, Todd Grubbs, probably not a well-known guitarist. Like some of you're like, oh, I never heard of Todd Grubbs before. Lead, you know, lead guitarist for Siren, but he's got, I think. He's either has or has been on over forty albums, and he also has his very own school of music right here in Brandon, Florida, where in in the town, uh, neighboring town I live in. So he's successful, and he's got a lot, you know, a lot of a lot of feats. He's got a lot of things he's done over the years, and he's sustainable. But he might be somebody you've never heard of before, guys. So that it doesn't just because you're not popular, you, you don't have a million followers on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. That really doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, it does. It's great if you have that, but don't think that that's what you have to have to be successful in something and be successful in what you do.
1: Yeah, I love that. Sustainability is far more appealing to me than fame. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think for a lot of people, I think if you ask them, you know, would you rather have a million, be a million dollars and be unknown or have a million dollars and be famous? I think many people would choose be unknown and have the million dollars. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know, because um, everybody knows that with fame comes a lot of attention and sometimes unwanted attention. So, uh, you know, fame is not necessarily the measure of success. It's, it's really how stable are you with what you've created? And that's, that's a great measure of success. And if you're doing better than you were yesterday... That's another great measure of success, you know, um, am, am, am I where I want my project to be at its end goal? No, that's what the journey is about. The journey is about working towards that. And that's why you hear a lot about entrepreneurs and motivational speakers who talk about enjoy the journey because like the destination's not it. (laughs) It's like, it's what you do throughout that time getting to the destination that's really worth the destination, you know? Um, it's like, you know, you know, you look at the old couple that that's been around for like 60 years married and you're like, Oh man, I want that. And it's like, yeah, but what did they have to go through to get there? You know, they had to go through all the fights. They had to go through all the loving. They had to go through, you know, kids and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And like, you'd, you know, you don't really think about that until, you know, you go through it yourself. And that's why we call it wisdom, because like wisdom is looking back and knowing uh, knowledge becomes wisdom. It's, it's like set wisdom. It's ingrained knowledge uh, that 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 kind of stuff is always interesting to me. And that's why I've always felt like personally, I was always an old soul in a young body. Yeah, you're um, an old soul, yeah, dude. Because I've always, I've always, uh, I've always liked, you know, older folk. <laughs> yeah. I just, I learn, I learn a lot about life that way, and I, I see, you know, that older folk have a lot more maturity to what they do, of course, and that just comes with time, and that's why they call it maturity. Um, these sorts of things, you know, the things when you're young and that are exciting, and you know. Daredevil-ish or whatever, and you feel like everything has to happen now, you haven't lived long enough, man. You have you have to know that this stuff takes time. And as a, as, you know, let's say a teenager, you know, you're you're trying to get into music and uh you realize that you have to you have to do music an additional 10 years. Let's say you're 18. That's like an additional half of your life that you haven't <laughs> you haven't experienced yet. And to a teenager, that's like what <laughs> and it's like yeah dude um but you're well what?
0: beyond your years though dude you're well beyond your years oh, and, well, and, you. and wisdom and that sort of thing and, and you and i'll even say experienced ken because well you you made some different choices at a younger age to you know and I'm not going to say you didn't do the party life and all that, and I didn't know you back then, and God knows I did plenty of that stuff, but, uh, you know, you made choices to get into something, to get into the music career, the audio engineering, that industry. You've always been part of that. Um, I can't say that. You know, I've always been a musician, always been part of it, but but I didn't make it my life in my younger years. I mean, I didn't really make it my my life until a few years ago. Again, you're talking to a 48-year-old, old man here. So I want to make a point real quick though. You, you mentioned, uh, and I just thought this is interesting. You, you mentioned the couple that's been together for 60 years. Oh, I want that, man. They're loving and all that. What I want to add to that, and this is just for the sake of my wife, if she happens to listen to this, is that you don't really have to go through all the fights and, and people are shaking their heads right now. What do you mean? You, you've got to fight sometime. No, you don't guys. You know, if you want a healthy, and I'll tell you this, I, I've been, I've been married three times. So you might be saying, well, Jason. Who the hell are you to give this kind of advice? Well, I made a lot of mistakes, guys, and I've right. learned from them. And I, I've been with my wife, Candy. Now we've been together uh, well over fifteen years, and uh, we're—she will tell you—we're—we're we're happier now and closer than we ever have been. Whereas most couples drift away. Uh, we don't really fight. Doesn't mean we don't always agree uh, together, but we—we we do it in a respectful way. What I want to say to that is if you want something great in your life, this is not just relationships, though it does pertain to it. First of all, you need to be the type of person that you want to be with so that you attract that same reaction, right? That, that same type of person as well. So for those of you who are not in a relationship or in any of that, focus on being the type of person that you know you need to be. And that you want to be with, and you will attract you know you'll attract that doesn't mean they'll be just like you. I don't want someone in my life just like me. We'd <laughs> be a disaster man <laughs> we We'd be drinking craft beer all the time and and making decisions off a whim and just winging it. you know she's a lot more logical than I am, so we, we fit like a puzzle. But I just want to bring that up real quick though if if uh if we're talking about relationships at all, you have to respect one another guys you You don't have to fight there's there's no rule that says and that that's that's a cliche especially in, in America here is like, well, you can't be happy with one another all the time. That's that's bullshit. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. You have, to, you have to be the type of person, and I'm not saying everything's rosy all the time, but you have to be the type of person, uh, you have to be the type of person that you know you need to be and be the type of person that you'd want to be with. It's that right. simple, guys. It's that simple. You choose to have an argument. You choose what you argue about. You choose... The words that you say, and one last thing I'll say to that is never, ever, guys, never get into the name-calling business in a relationship if you want that relationship to last, because then you you diminish your respect for that person, and all that will lead to is just animosity and resentment later down the road. So anyway, enough, enough relationship adv- advice from Jason here, but just some things I've learned along the way, and, and some things that have not worked, and some things that have worked, proven to have worked for greater than 15 years now.
1: Amazing. That's very inspiring, man. And, uh, you know, I I hope that whoever's listening is really taking away uh, quite a bit of knowledge from that because these kinds of things are sort of like the secrets of just being human, you know? And uh, that's what we're always doing. I feel like, you know, with every generation that, comes into existence, we, we have just a little bit more to go off of than before. (laughs) And, uh, you know, certainly the internet's helped with that, but, you know, these are the types of things that I, I think about when I look at like old historical stuff, like, uh, let's say, let's go to a Roman times, you know, like what was a day in the life of a Roman back then? You know, did they struggle with similar things like we did? And I'm pretty sure for some of them, conceptually yes you know like with with uh, human emotions and growing up and all that kind of stuff that's all stuff that we've all been dealing with since the dawn of time you know so uh just i think it, it's important to recognize that because as as we're talking about this concept of being an imposter right mm-hmm. um people have been feeling that way for a long time about everything that they do and so you just got to understand that you're no different than your ancestors, <laughs> and uh, sometimes maybe you know, asking an older person about their experience or someone you're close to who's maybe gone through a similar thing, like that's what that's what it's good for, you know. And talking to people who have a little bit more experience than you is a is a great benefit. That's why we we do things like learn and go to school and you know try and figure out better ways for the future because we don't want to, you know, repeat history. Right. And, you know, of course, history doesn't repeat it it rhymes all that crap, but you know what, if you're not aware of what happened before you'll, you won't make the necessary decisions to change what could be in the future. And that is applicable to everything, everything. So, you know, Everything, you you know, we're saying here also, I mean, like, take with a grain of salt, everybody has their own path. Nobody's going to be the same exact path. So you're always going to have to figure out what's best for you. But I think there's a couple of generalities that we're talking about today that I think are still very, very applicable to to what we can take away for our own daily lives. And I hope that that's making uh, a connection and resonating with uh, But Jason, I mean, you know, as you're coming close to uh well you actually told me before we got on this podcast that you're pretty much finished with your 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 album and you know you consider yourself I know uh for sure a musician but uh tell me how it was like trying to go about mixing this um album on your own I, I let's say you know did you did you struggle with this imposter syndrome as you were doing the mixing
0: I the thoughts would come in during mixing process but I would just send them away um, and I I had to keep reminding myself that do I like what I'm hearing and it doesn't matter what some other professional mixing engineer would do or wouldn't do doesn't matter right do I like what I'm hearing and that's that was kind of my approach now the thing about mixing and I'm, guys I'm not the I'm not a professional Mixed dude. Uh, in other words, I would not allow someone to pay me to mix their song or album, you know, because I, I don't think I would do it justice. I would, I would hand that off to Nick Z, you know, our, our, our mixing and mastering guy in a heartbeat. Um, by the way, uh, Nick, I want to just shout out Nick Z's course. Head over to metalmastermind.com and uh, he's got a mixing course there. Um, Metal Producer Overlord, the mixing series. Phenomenal, course. You guys will learn a lot in that because he goes through four different scenarios. So just taking some advice from him and conversations he and I had, and, and we don't see eye-to-eye eye on everything. I'll just, I'll just throw it out there now. But they're not things that are right or wrong. They're just differences, right? Because we talked about some things, uh, just perspectives and preferences. That's all it is. But no, I, I went into it. I was going to have him mix it uh, I ran a campaign, a crowdfunding campaign for the post-processing and on all that good stuff. And, and I got enough for the mastering. Nick Z is mastering the album, right? And I got enough to cover the artwork and some other things. But mixing is quite, mixing can be, and it should be, expensive. Okay, if, 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 somebody, if somebody says, yo, I'll mix your album for a hundred bucks, man, you know, you, you probably don't want that person mixing because yeah. they're, they're not a professional i'm sorry a professional is going to charge you and they they rightfully should charge you for that process that's a that's a very detailed process that they're going through and there's you know sometimes there's back and forth and that sort of thing Um uh, but to, to answer your question ken i got off track here um i just i, just, I was comfortable mixing it myself What made me comfortable with it is because as I'm recording everything, I'm recording in my home studio here, so I'm also mixing as I go. I mean, to an extent, I think we all kind of do that. But like, if I'm I'm recording my guitar tracks to some drums, right, I'm going to go back and I'm going to mix it right away because I want it to sound good. I want to hear what it's going to sound like. And I feel like if you don't mix, what do you call it, top-down mixing? I feel like if you don't mix along the way, then I don't know that your performance is always going to be... what I will say is, I, I kind of had a partner in mixing, um, Cameron Fleury, the drummer uh, from Canada, really awesome drummer. He mixed the drums. Um, he originally recorded the drum tracks two and a half years ago when I started working on him in this album, <laughs> which there are a lot of changes that happened. Uh, so I had him, I resent him the files, I had him remix to his today's standards. Cause I know over the past two years, remember guys, we just talked about this, how we evolve, how we grow, how we get better. Well, Cameron does this for a living, you know, or, or at least I think he does it for a living. He does, he's, he's always on the drum set. He's always in the studio. He's always uh, recording and mixing for other people. So I'm like, you know, since I'm mixing this myself, and this is a bit unorthodox, Ken, since I'm mixing this myself, I don't really want to mix the drums i want cameron to mix them so i had him remix his drums that he recorded two and a half years ago that he sent me and i used his mix in there Mm -hmm. uh you know after nick z listened to it for the mastering he's like hey if you just change one slight thing on the overall drum track this eq change that might make it a little bit better so i just did that but anyway it was was actually a fun process uh one tip i got from nick and maybe we'll share this on a youtube video Ken and i and one tip I got from Nick, though, is don't, don't just go... And I used to be a fan of this. I'd go listen to my cards and headphones. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But more importantly, listen to what you want your album to sound like in your studio. And then compare what, you're, what you've recorded in the studio. That way you're getting the true sound out of that, right? And I'm like, well, duh, Nick. Why didn't I think of this before? <laughs> hey, you only know what you know. And, and you don't know until you do know, right? So... Anyway, yeah, but I was pretty comfortable with that process. Uh, I'm I finalized everything this morning. There's one point one decibel. I'm changing to the lead guitar tracks, and then I'm done. I'm going to do that and send Nick Z the wave files of my final mix, and he's going to master this week. So,
1: congratulations, man! That is an amazing feeling. (laughs) It is,
0: man. Uh, real quick um, the album will be released uh the first i don't have an exact date but it'll be the first week of december i will have two tracks pre-released before that uh, probably the title track overcometh will be released first um and then or maybe that will be released second that'll be released in november but the, the track i'll release first is called jai yin yin it's one song that has one line in two parts that are is in thai language jai yin yin means calm down keep cool my uh might have been like, hey, it's okay, don't worry, keep cool. And that's kind of what the album's about. It's about somebody who's just really a hothead, not the album, but the song. Somebody's real hothead and just creating their own drama all the time, creating their own, you know, their own worst enemy type thing. Uh, And then that's kind of the premises of that song. So I'm releasing that early as a pre release because we will be in Thailand the month of November. So I want to have that song released out there to showcase in Thailand.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Well we're uh we're here kind of coming to the end of this podcast but i have a question for you jay jason dude um, what is your song of the week
0: i'm holding up right here on my phone dude it is a song called summoned for sacrifice guys this is off cannibal corpse's new album that was just released called chaos horrific this whole album is brutal um, and my buddy Drew, uh, you know, the, the owner of the Drinking With Drew show, some of you see me on the Drinking With Drew show. We're going to have Ken on there. We're going to fly Ken down to Tampa uh, next year to have him on the Drinking With Drew show to talk about his album release when Homeric comes out. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's like, dude, you got to check out the new Cannibal Corpse. So I did. And, yeah, I'm, I'm highlighting their song, "Summon for Sacrifice. It's cool. Very cool tune. What a brutal oh, album. <laughs> it's so brutal, man. But, yeah. Love, what I about you, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're great. They're great.
1: Uh, this week, I'm choosing um, The Psalms of Lydia by Nevermore.
0: Oh, good band. Dude. I good love band. Nevermore.
1: Nevermore is such a great band. And The Psalms of Lydia, I've always loved the guitar work of Jeff Loomis in Nevermore. So I'm just yeah. enthralled by this one. <laughs> um, That's awesome, dude. Yeah, so I wish, uh, you know, rest in peace to Warhol Dane. He was such a great... Yeah. Or two. Uh um, great vocalist. Dude. Had, a, great had vocalist. a operatic background and really provided a unique sound. Uh talking about, you know, finding your own sound. I mean, like this this guy was he was his own sound. That was an amazing. He was.
0: He, he, he didn't sound like anybody else, you know. And I'm not I hate to say that, but some metal bands do kind of sound the same. It's like you you know, sometimes you, yeah. you heard one of this certain genre, you've heard heard them all type of thing, but uh, yeah, Nevermore. Just they had their own thing going on, man. Uh, they, yep. I, I feel the same, and I don't want to get into this too deeply because we're at the tail end. But I feel the same about Tom England of Evergrey, uh, the metal oh, band yeah. of Finland. They they really have their own subgenre of metal. Um, really like your album Homeric, dude. You know, to circle back around to that. Uh, you know, you have your own sound. It doesn't it doesn't sound like anything else. You know, you kind of created your own thing. So we we say that to come back to guys create your own sound. Like we always say on this podcast, we always say this on our YouTube videos and uh, our emails to you. We encourage you to do this. Um, by the way, if you don't have our free stuff, guys, go to metalmastermind.com slash join, get our free musician guide. We've got like a songwriting guide. We've got like a dude, I forget what all we have in there. We've got like three, studio guide. We've got like three different guides in there. Um, and you'll get access to our Discord as well. So, yeah, metalmastermind.com slash join. Uh, Of course, you can always also check out our courses at metalmastermind.com. But, guys, thank you for listening in. I hope this podcast helped you, hope it enriched your lives. And until the next time, as always, create your own sound.